Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Rad Rob Radio Network. Through the years, we all remember when we first witnessed a national tragedy. Alabama wins! We remember the good times and the bad times through either a song, a TV show, a monumental sports achievement. For the first time in 86 years, the Red Sox have won baseball's world championship. Can you believe it? Or even the smell of a particular food from when we were young. To all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. Welcome to the show that will take you on a journey through time to relive those iconic moments. Welcome to RTW Rewind, where old school rules. So, without any further delay, let's introduce you to the host of the show, Red Rob Rob Francois. Welcome back to RTW Rewind. This is day five of Rad Mania 4. Seven days of shows leading up until this weekend's WrestleMania 38 from AT Stadium in Dallas. I'll be here both nights doing the post game wrap up show with Brad Shepard, provided he shows up. He's a little sick right now, but we'll see. Uh, but tonight we have a very special guest. He has been on the show multiple times. He is uh, the wrestling podfather for the two-man power trip empire, the one and only John Paz. Good evening, sir. Hello, hello. Good evening. Glad to be back. Thank you, Rob. Good intro. I love. Uh, I don't know. I love hearing Gorilla Monsoon. You know oh I mean? man, me too. Like brings back memories. Yeah. Did you prefer him and Jesse or him and Bobby? Honestly, very weird. Well, actually, maybe it's not so weird, but I've heard people say this. I like him and Jesse together. I think it's great, but I think Gorilla Bobby's better. I actually think Jesse and Vince 
is like equal. Mm. Like those are the two teams that I like the most. But Gorilla is awesome, and I love him with Jesse. But something with Gorilla and Bobby, and something with Jesse and Vince. Those are the two teams I like. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know you know Gorilla and Bobby were best friends, so uh, they love to rib each other all the time. They love to verbally joust, and we know how smart and how funny uh, Bobby was. But I used to like when Jesse would give Vince shit, right? Because I mean. Back then, we yeah. didn't know that Vince was a boss, and Jesse's, you know, always, you know, picking on him or ribbing him or, you know, calling him names and stuff like that. So, uh, knowing what we know now, it's just pretty funny that he's allowed to talk to Vince that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I loved him on Superstars. Uh, I loved him on Saturday Night's main event. And, um, you know, one underrated Jesse pay per view, and that's with him and Tony Schiavone at SummerSlam 89. I love those two. I think they only worked together once or twice, uh, but I thought they, <laughs> I thought they were great. Uh, Jesse would just give them shit the entire night, and Tony just just played it off like a total pro. Um, but that was an interesting well, they pairing. Worked together in WCW. Again, True, though, that's right. Actually, great, yes, great, yes. great pairing. Yes, you but are right weird. about that. Jim Ross and Ventura, which Jim Ross admits, like kind of sandbagging him a little, terrible <laughs> together. So it's yeah. weird. Like one of the greatest commentators ever and the best heel commentator ever, not great together. But Shivani. And Jesse were great, great chemistry together. Yeah, they were very good. I think Jesse was there, what, 92, 90, 92 to 93, yep. I believe. Um, I remember JR. 94 over Hogan, yes. That's right, that's right. I do remember JR saying something in one of his books about Jesse kind of keeping to himself when he was in WCW and, um, you know, just kind of be standoffish and he was making more money than everybody else, which kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Uh, but who goes, I mean, fuck, if you can get the money, who cares, right? I love Jesse. Jesse's always well, been, uh, great. Well, it's Jesse the body. I mean, you, you get what you pay for it. You're getting a legend <laughs> with the, with the, the golden tongue. I mean, it's yes. Jesse's body. So you gotta, you gotta pay the man. Absolutely right. Uh, so when I texted you to ask you to come on the show, I asked you what, what WrestleMania you wanted to talk about, you know, maybe something that would be underrated. And I think you did pick a great one because a lot of people don't talk about WrestleMania five as being one of the best of all time. Uh, it was a long show for sure. It was, I think, it was one yeah. of the longest shows at that time. Uh, but uh, it was the actually the first WrestleMania I ever saw live on pay per view. Uh, so it was my first, and uh, wow, I think that's why it holds a special, you know, sentimental feeling uh, with me. But uh, what what made you want to pick this this WrestleMania to talk about? Because to me, the greatest like feud of all time, the greatest storyline of all time is Hogan Savage. And it goes for two WrestleManias. You start really in WrestleMania four, and then it continues on to WrestleMania five in the same venue, Trump Plaza, which is funny. It's not really Trump Plaza, by the way. And people that aren't from New Jersey, I'm from Jersey. Obviously I live not that far from like, they're like, there was never a Trump Plaza. No, but for WrestleMania, there was a quote unquote Trump Plaza. It's boardwalk hall. Everyone yes. knows it yeah. as, as boardwalk hall, obviously if from, from this area, you know, it's boardwalk hall, but, to have that be the ultimate story of Hogan Savage, you started in WrestleMania 4, you finished WrestleMania 5. Not only that, it's like, okay, awesome storyline, great stuff with Elizabeth. Let's see how it does. The best for years, and this held up, the most financially lucrative WrestleMania ever was Hogan Savage. So that was Hogan's best moneymaker. Maybe Andre over the long haul if you count all the shows, but yeah. for one specific show, 767,000 buys on a day where WCW was also had clashed the champions on yep. is insane. And that just, I mean, it, it killed. And that was the record for many, many years for pay-per-view buy rates. So to me, it's like, what is the biggest moneymaker? What is the best feud? What's the best storyline? WrestleMania five Hogan Savage, kind of a one match show 
kind of, not really, kind of. But when you look at the billing of it, you didn't really need to bill anything else as, as a as a draw. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just throw that match out there. You don't need anything else. It's Hogan and Savage. <laughs> but if you look You're at the card, win. it's a stacked card, though. Like it's yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Know, every legend but, but in the like, business. <laughs> But the whole thing is mega powers explode. Yeah, like absolutely. that's the way everything is mega powers explode, mega powers explode, and that's really how they built up the show. And to me, it's like that's all you need to mention. And I'm ordering it. Like, I mean, we're already ordering it. Ready, have the plans <laughs> for the party. Like everything is set. We're we're ready for the show. It was Randy Savage's best promos, like leading up to the event. Every week, he'd have a, a scathing promo where he's just sweating and talking real slow and. His eyes are just bugging out of his head. He's probably all coked up. In but... those eyes, Hogan. I see lust <laughs> in those eyes. Yeah. It's funny as a kid, you're like, what is he talking about? And then, like, you hear, obviously, stories later on, like Hogan <laughs> and his wife and Elizabeth is staying with them, like all this other stuff. So, yep. man, it's, you could see the intensity and that it's savage for real. I mean, obviously, he's a great promo anyway, but yeah. that's like some real life uh, emotion there from the Macho Man. It really is. Uh, and, I mean, the best angles are always when art imitates life. So, um, I remember, I remember Savage on the Arsenio Hall show before this event, and it was kind of weird because he was in character, but not completely in character. Like he was actually kind of laid back a little bit and chill, sitting on the on the couch next to Morgan Fairchild with the championship belt on, sunglasses, and all that. And he was kind of making jokes with Arsenio. So it, this is back when kayfabe was still pretty much around. Do you think it was a smart decision to put like a funny Randy Savage on the Arsenio Hall show? Like, obviously, didn't care with the buy rates and all that. But I mean, looking back at how how Vince ran the business back then, like it's just kind of an odd decision to let him do that, right? The way I get, I don't know. I guess the way he was portrayed in the show, or the way he acted in the show, was kind of weird. I'm sure Vince. I you'd never heard anything about him. I'm sure no, Vince was yeah. like, probably, probably thinking to himself like, Randy, come on, what, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? You're supposed to be this big heel going into WrestleMania Five. What the hell are you doing? But obviously, you know, they love the talk show circuit. Like yeah. Reigns, Roman Reigns was yeah. just on with uh, Jimmy Fallon, um, doing the the Jay Leno, which uh, Tonight Show. Yep. he was doing he was doing that. So that is like par for the course but obviously i don't know it was kind of weird it's like that's not really the savage that we're used to i don't know maybe maybe he was uh maybe he's having a little too much wine before <laughs> maybe he, I mean, seemed, he seemed like more loosey-goosey than, yeah. than we're normally used to seeing yeah no i agree like i mean like i said week to week we're seeing him just like completely like irate and pissed off and out of his mind and then you see him on arsenio like the week of i think it was and he's just like chilled laying you know laid back making jokes yeah um, hopefully uh hopefully he's you know waiting in the wings like arsenio no more steroid questions this time right like, <laughs> right yeah, no, enough with that stuff arsenio <laughs> come on uh so let's let's take a look at the card uh and this was uh like i said a pretty stacked card um our first match was hercules uh against king haku and i don't know if you caught this or if you ever saw the original version but in the original version howard finkel announced haku as King Tonga. Yeah. Yep. There's like three or four different versions because it's weird. You And you can almost tell depending on what you're listening to. I think Coliseum video is different. The network's different. It's like Fink's voice changes and then it's, it'll be like King Tonga. Yeah. King Haku. Yeah. Haku. Like, I forget what it is, but there's like three different or four different versions of him doing it. I don't know why. Like, I guess King Tonga kind of doesn't make sense because he's clearly King Haku. From he's from Tonga, the Isle of Tonga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just but remember I watching it. it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah wa- it's weird. Watching it live, I mean, clear as day. Uh, and I've had the the v- VHS tape from the you know the pay per view yep. um, yep. recorded off my TV for years, and uh, it was obviously changed 
on the network. You know, this is back in the day when they had cold matches. Uh, just matches for the sake of matches. No real build-up. They didn't, they didn't run a lot of angles back then. Usually it was just the high-profile stuff, like the Intercontinental title, the tag team title, and the world title. Nowadays, uh, and maybe since the Attitude Era, uh, they focus more on every match has to have a story. And especially with, like, today, you know, with this weekend with WrestleMania 38, pretty much everybody on the card has been in an angle. So you almost have to kind of give WWE some leeway nowadays. Even if most people don't like the product, you got to think about how much writing is going into these shows because every single match on both nights pretty much has a story. So, I mean, yep. I don't think people give WWE credit for, for how many moving pieces and parts that they have, right? Very, though, if you think about it, like, okay, they are trying to make everything kind of make sense now and have all these matches, but I literally don't care about any of them except for one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's weird. It's like, yes, they had cold matches this WrestleMania, but you were so invested in each character, even Haku. He's King yeah. Haku. He's got Heenan. Like, you're so invested and interested in him. But they, hey, he, they're, you know, he's being carried down to the ring. Hercules, I don't know, I always had a soft spot for him. I always like Hercules. <laughs> like, he could be upper mid card. He could be mid card. He could be in power and glory. I always liked him. I don't know. It could be his look. Obviously, he was pretty good in the oh, ring. Huge. It just, yeah. his, his size. Mm-hmm. I always kind of just had a soft spot for him. I always like Hercules. But it's like they, each guy is important, so you can do cold matches because you're interested in the guy. Nowadays, they don't really do as much cold matches. But the storylines are so bad, and the guys have no characters. You have no interest in it at all. That's a good point. It means it's like, I don't know. It's like they don't know what they're doing. It's like every guy back then, like he's the mighty Hercules. He's got the chain. You know, he's he's King Haku. He's like this tough guy. Heenan's this wise ass. Like everybody meant something. Nowadays, it's like, all right, American Alpha or whatever it is, Short Arm Academy, whatever the hell it's called, with Gable and Otis. It's like, okay, they're a tag team. But they lost six weeks in a row, and they kind of have nothing. Like I don't know, like you're not interested in all these guys. That's a really good point. No, that is that is a really good point. Um, yeah, you know Hercules had that look, and obviously he had the size, and not the greatest promo, but I think he was still over with the fans. And you're right, like everybody loved how he swung the big chain around. Um, going back to his angle with Ted DiBiase the year before. Uh, where you know Bobby Heenan sold his contract to Ted, and he became Ted's slave. I haven't gone back to watch any of that on Peacock to see if they removed it because they've been removing a lot of stuff. You know, they removed the Roddy Piper Bad News Brown match from WrestleMania Six because Piper was painted half black, half white. Yeah, uh, and I, I can't I don't even know what they're going to take out of the Attitude Era stuff. Um, I hate that stuff. I do too, but do you think like the whole slave angle would it wouldn't play well today? Obviously, too no. many too many people are so. No, but why upset. can't you just because when I'm watching a show, it's got to be the full show. I hate when they cut stuff off. Like even when they were cutting off Benoit matches, remember they took all mm-hmm. the Benoit stuff. Yeah. So all the nitros are like ten minutes shorter than they know. It's like I hate that. Just put a disclaimer on there. Even put the disclaimer <laughs> before you could even put. I don't care. Put the disclaimer on the bottom of the screen when it's on. Like this is about blah. Yeah. You know whatever issue it is. Just put that on there because I hate not having original content. Okay, Piper was half blackface. Who cares? Put the warning label on it. If yep. you're offended, skip it. You could literally just skip it or fast forward it. Keep the original stuff. there. And I haven't followed it, but I, I bet you the Hercules thing, they probably would take it off because that is kind of controversial. Kind of, though, great to me like of a way of like, how do you turn the guy babyface? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll sell him off. Yeah. This, I mean, slavery thing. I mean, obviously, it, it, it that is just a totally bad thing to say and do it that way but 
as far as like a wrestling storyline, it's not real life, it's wrestling. Turn it into like I sold this guy off, not slave or whatever. Like you traded him, whatever however you want to say. Like that's a cool way to turn a guy babyface because like, hey, I'm not a piece of property, I'm not a piece of meat. You can't sell me off like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a man. Like that was a cool way to turn her babyface and kind of really because DiBiase was the one of the most hated heels ever. Yes. Immediately you liked Hercules were like, screw this guy, DiBiase. He's not trading people like me. Like, screw this. Like, he's a <laughs> yeah. he's a real man. Like, I love that. Hercules is like, you're not doing it, man. Like, Hamlet kind of laying in the law. He is like, too bad. I already did it. I already got the money. So, cool storyline. I know you can't throw around the, the slavery word, but like the fact that he basically traded this guy for money was great because it's like, what an asshole. He can't do that. <laughs> I can't treat a human being like that. And it makes Bobby Heenan look like shit too because you know yeah you accepted money you just traded this guy for 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 nothing yeah like you just like what an asshole yeah, right exactly yeah and i guess if they had to do it nowadays they would just say well i own your contract you have to work for me you know almost like Shawn michaels yeah. and jbl when sean supposedly yep. needed money and all that, that yeah. that's probably oh, that's how you that's so funny i have such a good angle <laughs> this really... rich guy who was like make made millions all of a sudden has no money yeah i know well i mean it worked yeah. though right i mean we, we yeah. were invested i liked it yeah, yeah no, I, I liked it yeah. i did too uh, his so, wife got involved. Yeah, yes. Good. Uh, so Hercules ended up defeating King Haku, um, but it wasn't for the crown. So that, that always that was kind of weird because I mean Haku didn't lose that much at that time, and obviously because he was the king. But did you find it odd they didn't put the the crown up because they pretty much did every Saturday night's main event? Very weird because it's WrestleMania too, so you figure throw some stakes into it. Yeah. But they didn't. I don't know. I, I'm thinking because Herc was going to go over, <clears> and he didn't want him to be King Hercules. I guess like. That, that's probably the reason, but it is weird. Even looking back, it's like, wow, they put some stakes on it's WrestleMania, but I guess they, they just want him to be King Aku, but he's going to take the loss. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our second match was the Twin Towers, Akeem and the Big Boss Man, uh, taking on the Rockers, which was my favorite tag team growing up. I love Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Um, just love their good look. Match. Yeah, it was a good match. It actually, the Twin Towers actually sold a bit for them. Um, were you a Rockers fan? Back in the day. Yes. Yes. They weren't my favorite, but like whenever they were out there, always entertaining. I always liked them. It's one of those things where it's like you couldn't really have a bad combination at that point, WBF tag team. True. They were all really good. Twin Towers didn't like them as much because of, uh, you know, because of the Hulkster. You know, right. They're, yes. they're, you know, they're, they're right with the Hulkster. Yeah. But I love the Rockers just because it's like, man, these guys are great. You never thought that they were going to be like, what they became, well, especially Michaels, and at this point, like wow, like wow, like these guys are great, high flying yep. mid card stars. But you could see the talent level is through the roof. Obviously, Marty's an awesome worker too. Yes, uh, undervalued, underappreciated, whatever you want to say. He, I almost feel like Marty was almost as good as Sean, and he just had demons and he couldn't get over him. But both great, great uh, wrestlers and awesome tag team. One hundred percent. I mean, pretty much everybody that you would ask, you know, about Marty Jannetty back in the day, like, yeah, he was just as good as Sean. Um, For sure. You know, maybe yeah. not as great as a promo, but could work his ass off and could sell, yep. sell and sell and sell. Um, and you're right; it's unfortunate that you know he had substance abuse problems over the years. And apparently, and I always liked him as a baby face when mm-hmm. he did the like, and he's like firing up, and like he, like you kind of like really got behind him. I don't think yeah. Michaels. Michaels is better as a heel to me. Yes, I don't know Michaels. It's a kip up, I guess, is good and stuff, but I don't know. Just the way Janetti with his leg shake and kind of just the way he would like yep. frenetically pay, be paced and move. I don't know, always loved his like him as a baby face. I absolutely agree with that. Um, Twin Towers for me, uh, you're right. I was, 
I was more of a Savage fan. Obviously, we've, we've discussed this on the show before. We've actually mm-hmm. covered the Mega Powers feud. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, look, I always was afraid of them because, I mean, you look at these two huge guys. It was the biggest tag team they, they ever had, pretty much. And they're teaming together with a common goal. And, you know, yep. it's like, shit, these guys. <laughs> and I love Hogan Bossman is awesome. Yes. That feud is, is just great stuff. But it's like, wow, these two 400-pound guys are together. Like, who the f- who could beat these Who's guys? Who's going to stop yeah. them? Yeah. And I yeah. don't know why they never gave them the belts. Like, that that boggles my mind. Like, I would have loved to see Demolition chase them for a while. Right. Uh, but for whatever reason, right. it, it never Makes happened. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, obviously, the Twin Towers won. Uh, but the Rockers came close. They hit their double dropkick off the top and came close to defeating them. They... they had a, a really good match, a better match than I ever th- I thought they would have. Um, but I think we all pretty much knew what was going to happen. There's no chance that, that they were going to yeah. win. Um, our third match was Brutus Beefcake against Ted DiBiase, which ended in a double countout. It's WrestleMania. Do you really need a schmoz, yeah. you know, at, at WrestleMania? Yeah. And and why are we keeping Beefcake so strong here? Like DiBiase, yeah. still 89. I know in, in 88 is really his, his big peak year, but it's 89. It's just coming off that big run. He's and he still has some main events left in the tank. So yeah, it's like DiBiase is up here, high upper mid card, main event level. If you want to throw him in the main event, yep. Especially like even uh, like a year later when he's going to feud with Warrior for the title for for a little bit. It's like you could throw him in main events and it's believable and he's a top heel. Why the hell is he not just beating Beefcake here? That's bullshit. I mean, is yeah. that is that the Hogan effect? You know, Burtis being probably Hogan's best probably. friend. Yeah, and you're building up to Beefcake. I, for I understand SummerSlam. like you're building yeah. up for SummerSlam, right. so you're keeping him strong. But th- it's a tag match with Hogan. He'll be strong regardless. I think DiBiase should have went over here. I, that always irks me. I don't know. I, I'm not a huge Beefcake fan, but he was over was, though. But I mean, he was he, all super crazy over. over. Yes, super over. Like yep. people and love the character. Really, yeah, Hogan. Gave him that spot for some reason, but I mean, he really earned it because he was over. Yes, absolutely. The fans loved him. I mean, he made a couple of covers at yep. WF Magazine. I mean, the gimmick was yep. was fantastic. Yep. Everybody loved the hair, the haircut and thing. Um, and you know, like working with the genius and Mister Perfect. I mean, the genius sold that so well when he got his haircut. Yep. You know, I mean, like, yep. Um, they put a lot of big power players uh, with Beefcake. Great the, theme song too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so WrestleMania six, and a lot of people don't talk about this, but. He actually ended Mr. Perfect's undefeated streak, and it's been glossed over so much. That, yeah, <laughs> that hurts me too. Like Hogan, who they were building up to, you know, to end, end that streak. Like it's not Hogan that ends it; it's friggin' beefcake. So In a weird, throwaway made, match. Made no yeah, yep. that nobody talks about. Yep, makes no sense. I mean, Perfect was undefeated since '88. Yep, and no one like made a big deal out of it. Like I. No idea. No idea why it was just brushed aside like it didn't even matter. And they never even really addressed that it was a big deal. And Beefcake was literally doing nothing at that point. It was (laughs) nothing. Yeah. Ah, so big. And the rumor of, you know, people were saying, oh, it's going to be perfect Hogan in the main event of WrestleMania 6. They're building it up. And uh, nope, you don't get that match. All right. So what else perfect doing? Oh, he's losing a Beefcake. It's like, (laughs) what in the world is going on? Yeah, that was very strange. And that really kind of, you know, Set the, the wheels in motion to him losing at SummerSlam that year, SummerSlam the next year. Like after yeah. that, he was just pretty much beatable. Uh, yeah. Just very hot the way they changed their, their booking of Kurt. I just yep. don't and, and then he loses to Hogan after that. It's just like, 
Like, what is going on around here? Like, he should have beat Beefcake, then lost to Hogan. How does that make sense? He goes, he loses the lesser guy to fight the bigger guy and loses both. It's like, <laughs> oh, I don't like it. Yeah. But, I mean, you remember the huge, like, thing on Saturday Night's main event when he stole Hogan's belt and, and, and beat it with a hammer and destroyed it. Like, yeah. I was as a kid, I was crying. Like, I believe that stuff. I was like, oh, my God, he destroyed Hogan's belt. What are they going to do? How are they going to make a new one? Um, right. and, and it's like, wow, like, that never happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that that's like sacred. Yes. And he did that and then they didn't capitalize. Never on paid it, it so off. It's like, yeah. Yeah, like oh, so stupid. Uh, I'd like to I don't know if Pritchard has covered that. Do you do you know if he ever talked about anything like that? I know he did an episode on Perfect, but I wonder if he did like and I know uh Connie hates beefcake, so he definitely <laughs> yeah. ripped it. Yeah. But um I don't. I don't know if he ever went into detail of like why in the booking decision, because obviously him and Pat played a major role yeah. into into that booking decision. And Vince is the final say, but well, like why? Like what the fuck? Like beefcake of all people? Yeah, ending the perfect streak. Like after Hogan, after he destroyed the belt, you know. Oh, after Genius beats Hogan by a count that, and Genius <laughs> is yep. his manager. Like, yep, made no sense. I agree. Uh, our next match, the Bushwhackers. Oh, sorry, yeah, we talked about the double count. The Bushwhackers taking on the Rougeau brothers. All right, fun fact, and don't ask me why I know this. Just, I mean, it was pretty obvious to me. I wasn't looking for it, but it was a very awkward spot during this match uh, when I believe it was Raymond body slamming one of the Bushwhackers. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the Bushwhackers just grabbed a, a handful of his crotch. Uh, you know, instead of planting on his leg, he planted his hand on his nuts. Um, yep. never heard any stories about that. I don't know if that was just a rib, uh, or what, but that's just something I'll never forget. Definitely to me. And it's funny. I, I, you would think you would hear stories about it, but to me, it's gotta be some sort of rib. It has to be. Has to be. I mean, and there's no yeah. way, like he clearly missed his thigh. It wasn't even his upper thigh. Like it was literally on his package. Like I just, yep. <laughs> and he's, yep. not only did he, he grab it, but he kind of, you know, squeezed and shook a little. I mean, go back and watch it. I'm sure it's still on Peacock, but uh, very odd. Very odd. Yeah. As a 13 year old yeah. kid, I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Uh, yeah, and as a, what the hell's going on? As here? a 45 year old guy, I still think it's weird. So, yeah. Had to be a rib. That's my, I'm convinced. Had to be. Had like, to what be. What the hell else would it, could it be? Yes. Uh, but the Bushhackers were hot at that time. And the Rougeos are great. You always know heels can take the loss and, and never yep. really, really lose. As long as you keep the heat on them, they're fine. Um, but the Bushwhackers were, you know, new at that time. They just came in late 88, um, had their first match on wrestling challenge, I believe in like early 89 and, uh, fans loved them. I mean, absolutely loved the Bushwhackers. And we saw what they did, uh, at the festivities they had that weekend. They had like a, I think it was a, they had a 5k race with like Mr. Fuji running in it, which is weird. Uh, and then they had yeah. the Bushwhackers like eating sardines or something. I don't even know yeah, what the like hell it was. Breakfast with the Bushwhackers. Breakfast, yeah, with the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Yeah. Were you a fan of the Bushwhackers as a kid? I always was, and I don't know what it was. Something about them. It, I mean, their walk like, is awesome, right? I mean, the walk is awesome, but they're like almost comedic geniuses where it's like, mm-hmm. these guys can't be serious. And they're like, oh my God, they are serious. They're really licking people. And they're walking <laughs> and the whoa, yay. They yeah. just. They just came off as like complete nut jobs. Like you're just like I love these guys. They're cra- like your crazy uncle. Like I love. Yeah. Guy. 
I was at a show, uh, it was 1990, one of my first shows that I ever went to in Jersey at Brendan Byrne Arena, which is Continental Airlines, which is Izod Center. Yeah. And we were in the second row. These older ladies were in the first row begging the bushwhackers to lick them. It was Jesus so weird. Christ. I was like, <laughs> like we, me and my brother were like, like captivated by it, but almost like in awe of like, totally shocked like yeah. what and the, they literally lick these women like <laughs> lick their face lick their head and you would think like okay it's gross it's disgusting you can't do that nowadays they pop these women like yeah. they dying laughing they loved it they were going crazy i was like wow like that was odd it was like a status symbol like you know i got yeah. sunglasses i got licked by the bushwhackers you know yeah. like, it was a cool yep. thing and kids loved it and parents loved it and yep. yeah nowadays holy shit you know with all the germaphobes that we have around uh, I mean, even pre-COVID, it wouldn't have played. Um, but well, you, and plus, a guy licking a woman, they they would probably yeah. say like, "Oh, you can't fair. do that." You, yeah, that's you, fair. You can't. Yeah, but man, back in 1990, I mean, geez, you were why was back 30 years? They, why was it accepted <laughs> though? Like, I don't. They were loving it. They I were know. laughing. They were like asking. They were like begging. Like, lick us, lick us. <laughs> like, oh, and they just literally licked them in their forehead and their hair. It's like, oh my god. Not to mention, why would Luke and Butch even want to lick people, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just, you never know where these people come from. They could have yeah. herpes or SARS or who knows what else. Like, it's crazy. It's like <laughs> Richard Dawson kissing all those people on Family Feud. Yeah, who knows? He was a ladies' man, though. I mean, he, he got yeah, more yeah, ass than a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was a smooth but, yeah, the bu- Bushwhackers, I love them. But it's funny, <laughs> you grow up and you realize years before, it's like, holy shit, they were the sheep herders. These vicious heels. Brutal. Yes. Brutal, yes. bloody. Like, that's why their foreheads look like that. Like, <laughs> holy crap, these guys are monsters. And these seem as the Bushwhackers, the most lovable face team. It's like, wow. One of, the, one of the biggest face teams ever. Like, never, ever turned once they got in WWF and, you know, sold merchandise like crazy and made so many yep. charity appearances and autograph signings and. I remember them doing a random autograph signing in, in Westerly, Rhode Island, because that's where we'd vacation during the summer, and it was just an, an odd thing. But yeah, I mean, people love the Bushwhackers. It's uh, and they lasted until nineteen ninety six. That's crazy, right? Isn't that nuts. That's like a long. You run. would think like, oh, this act, other they'll last a couple of years. <laughs> uh, no more like nine. Like you know what I mean? It's like holy crap, they lasted for a long time. Never won the titles, and in fact, I don't even remember really a televised title match. Maybe they did some house show stuff or Coliseum stuff, but I don't remember ever seeing them. To my knowledge, in a title match, unless maybe they fought the Nasty Boys one time, I don't, I don't quite remember. But I'm trying to remember if like natural disasters, maybe, but it wasn't like a big, big program. Yeah, no, yeah. no, definitely not. Yeah, it's almost like they're like that mid card tag team, and they're there for the pop mm-hmm. to get the crowd involved, and like, yeah, you know what they were like. They could be in feuds, and hopefully they win. But it's not nothing going to be like, oh, these guys are great; they're going to be the <laughs> world champs. And again, like it didn't matter if they lost, right? Because they're still no, over. Nope. Like they were on, you know, they they could never lose any of their shine because people just love them so much. Uh, but they defeated the Rujos, which again, like I said, you know, you keep the heat on the heels, and and heels can take the loss and and not really be affected by it. Um, people really hated the Rujos, uh, especially when they would you know hug each other and kind of rub each other's heads, and, you know, take a powder. <laughs> Um, you know, people hated that. And Jimmy Hart was the perfect catalyst to be their manager too, because yes. people hated Jimmy and um their whole package was, was really good, but they were fantastic wrestlers. Um, not great promos, uh, but they really didn't have to because they were such good heels. What were your thoughts on the Rujos back in the day? 
such smooth workers, great workers. So smooth. Even when they were baby faces, like you could say, like, man, these guys are freaking amazing. Yes. Like you said, not not great promos, of course, but yeah. you know, eventually when he was a Mountie, Jacques would be a pretty funny promo. Like yes. just his his wit and, and stuff would come out in the promos. And obviously Raymond when he was an announcer and doing doing the commentary getting stuff, you could see like, okay, he does have a gift for gab, but just not the great promo guy unless Jimmy Hart's doing the the most of the promo, and then they have their little one-liners and, <laughs> and a few lines after. But they were awesome, especially that theme song. Oh, yes. Once you did that and then put the little mini flags in their hands, they were <laughs> so hateable. It's like, who do these guys think they are? Montreal to Memphis. Like, screw that. Like, you're not American. Like, no, we are now. We're the All-American boys. Like, so genius. Yes. Like, if you think about it, it's like, how do you get over as heels? We're going to pretend we're American. We're going to pretend <laughs> we moved to Memphis. Yep. Uh, you know, Montreal to Memphis, parlez-vous français, yep. you know, that all the Rougeau's on their way. Like <laughs> that song is so good. And I know Jimmy Hart wrote it yeah. and, 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 and performed it like so good, but so perfect because, you know, everyone's like, screw these guys. Like, <laughs> no, they're not Yeah, like, no, you aren't. You're French Canadian. Like, screw you guys. I just, I, I love them as heels. Just perfect heels. Absolutely agree. And the fact that they sang their own song, just like Honky Dog yeah. did, like that was just, yep. Perfect yep. for guys that can't sing at all. Um, yes. And we know, you know added to it. Yeah. And like, then these guys have no talent. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels did it later. And I think Jim even wrote that song too, right? Heartbreak yep. Kid. So actually, actually did hear was that JJ McGuire? No, I mean, I actually, it might have been JJ McGuire. Yeah, I think it was JJ. RIP. He passed away yes. like a month ago. Yeah, but, I heard that. Uh, I actually think, which is a misnomer, I don't think it was Jimmy. I think, well, it was Jimmy and JJ together. I was going to say they collabed. Yeah. 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 yeah, collabed. Yeah. 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 A lot of people say Jim Johnson, but it wasn't Johnson. I believe it was a collab with uh, JJ and Jimmy. Yes, which is funny. Like, you know, three songs where the wrestlers initially, you know, well, Sherry sang Sean's song, but then he took it over. But, I mean, that's just kind of funny that Jimmy has that tie-in of three songs with wrestlers singing to themselves. Um, So good at those themes. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Uh, Matt, speaking of perfect, (laughs) good segue. Match number five. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Perfect defeated the Blue Blazer, which we didn't know at the time was Owen Hart. But when you go back and look at it, look at that schnoz. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it was it was Owen Hart. I was a big Blue Blazer fan. Like I absolutely loved him. I loved like the fact that Bobby was trying to figure out who he was every week. Like I think I know him. I think I know him. But like nobody ever knew. Nobody ever said who right. he was. Uh, and he did the backflips and he did the the belly to belly. It's like he you know took a Japanese ish style. Uh, and, and really, you know, made it popular. He was doing things that nobody else did, uh, and he was so smooth. I mean, they called Brett a technician, but Owen was just as good, if not better, in the ring, uh, technically wise, uh, than Brett. So, were you a fan of uh, of the Blue Blazer when it came out? Yes, love the Blue Blazer. He never got that big push with that gimmick. Yeah, but this was a nice little showcase. Obviously, he's more showcasing perfect because he's got the undefeated streak. Yeah, but this was a nice little thing to like. All right, we'll give him some time. Maybe they should give this match more time, just because if you think about it, it's like Owen oh, Hart, perfect, five and a half but minutes. I, yeah, yeah. But at that time, you're like, okay, but I feel like it should have went longer. Um, but Blue Blazer is one of those guys who are like, wow, I've never seen that before. Like you just enthralled <laughs> by him yes. because you've never seen that style before. And like, man, this guy's athletic as hell, but he's a really good wrestler. Like he had such a good combination of style and just being able to mix in those moves. You could just tell like, man, this guy, he is great. Like whoever trained this guy, yes, do. <laughs> you know, yeah. these, this guy is unbelievable. He was. Um, but a nice little showcase for, for perfect there. Agreed. And you know, it's funny. Like I said, this match was five and a half minutes. Just to tie back into ridiculous beefcake-ness, Beefcake had the second longest match in the card. 
10 minutes and one second. Only behind the main event at 17 minutes. So, again, <laughs> what does that show you, All right? Unbelievable. Um, what the hell? Yeah. But uh, perfect defeated Blue Blazer with the perfect plex, uh, which, God, I love that hold. That was yes. such a cool thing. I mean, he was the first one I ever saw do a, you know, a fisherman cradle suplex like that. Um, the sixth match, a handicap match. First time ever handicap match for the WWF Tag Team titles. Demolition action smash. Taking on the powers of pain and their manager, Mr. Fuji, got the tights and the boots back on and got back in the ring. As a kid, I had no idea that Mr. Fuji ever wrestled before. I mean, going back, we you know saw you know how how good he was in the ring. Uh, what were your thoughts on Fuji in this match? Did you think it was weird, out of place? Did you were you a fan of it? Like, what what were you feeling back as a kid? To me, as a kid, I hated it because it's like, oh, they have an advantage because I love Demolition. They yeah. were just all, especially when they turned babyface yeah. at, at Survivor Series before that, which was, was funny. Everyone always says Brett and Austin when they did the double turn. I love the Demolition Powers of Pain double turn. That was so damn good. And, and nobody saw it coming. Goes with, yeah. Yeah, nobody saw it coming. So Fuji goes to Powers of Pain. But I remember as a kid, I absolutely hated it because I thought they had the advantage. How could you have <laughs> three on two for the tag titles? makes no sense. But if, and then, you know, you rewatch, it's like it almost – takes away because it would have been a great match if it's just straight up powers yes. of pain who are both great especially barbarian agreed but both guys are great it would have been way better with demolition who were such good workers they were like the ultimate tag team that you would, didn't realize were good workers that were <laughs> great freaking workers because of the gimmick you think of more yep. gimmick but you really watch the matches they were great especially bill Eadie. It's just unbelievable i know he's getting yes. older too at this point but still such a good worker. Oh, he's so fantastic smart. dude yes I lo- love demolition but i almost feel like if you take fuji out of there just put him in as the manager the match would have been way better. I agree. Now, regarding the gimmick with the face paint and the spikes and all that, we know the Road Warriors were the first. Do you think the Powers of Pain were the ripoff of the Road Warriors? Yes, absolutely. And obviously, Demolition supposedly was a ripoff of everybody. <laughs> Do you know right. what I mean? The, the Powers of Pain were in the, in the NWA, you know, well, well before you know, Demolition. The, the old Vince story, I can't get the Road Warriors. I'll create my own world warriors. <laughs> That's true. It'll be a little different. Like they're the the Lord Humongous, you know, version yes. of of, uh, of 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 the Road Warrior movie, really. Yeah, which is a spinoff, really, of of the Road Warriors, the gimmick of of Hawk and Animal for sure. Now, obviously, we didn't think much of it at the time, like the whole like face mask kind of bondage type material that we see now, or we we yeah. know about now. Like looking back, was a little weird. Do you still think it was pretty awesome? Uh, if you kind of really think about it, like that's a little weird the bondage stuff, but it looks awesome. I think that's and where they bought it from, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah, and but the face paint mixed in with it, so cool. So I agree. Look, I just saw uh, Tony Atlas did this drawing of I guess he's a good artist, which I kind of knew, but I didn't realize he was that good. Mm. He did a drawing of Axe and Smash, and they kind of made it into like a like a comic book kind of drawing. I was like, but that's like that is the perfect guys where it's like larger than life. You can make it a comic book hero, but they're real life guys. It's like that just looks so freaking cool. Obviously Road Warriors too, but it just yeah. looks so cool that Tony Atlas did this drawing. I was like, man, that looks awesome. But it, because of like their their just their look, the face paint with the with the bondage stuff with the black, we got the spikes, but then you got the red mixing, just awesome, awesome look. I love demolition. I love them too, and they were so good in the ring. I mean, you know, Bill yeah. was great, but I mean, Barry was was just as good too, and they knew how to get over. Uh, you know, as a baby, I liked him as heels. To be quite honest, like I just thought they were so tough and rough and uh, different from anybody else in WWF at that time, uh, and just beat the fuck out of people. I just remember them just like 
pounding people down and like double axe handles on the back, like over and over and over, and then you know have axe go ah, just scream like they were so good at tag team wrestling and 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 cutting off the ring. Um, just I, I wouldn't say they're underrated. I think obviously they're they were perfectly rated if you ask Chad, uh, but. Um, Unfortunately, not in the Hall of Fame because obviously uh, concussion lawsuits and yep. other people say that demolition wanted too much money to get in. Uh, what have you heard? Are both those rumors true? I don't know about the money part. I've always heard that it was much more like Vince is still pissed about the lawsuits yeah. because Bill Eady was kind of the forefront of a bunch of them, and obviously Smash kind of joined in too, uh, Barry Darso. But that yeah. was the thing; like they kept popping up as like the the top names on these concussion lawsuits from like high Kairos, which didn't up, end up going anywhere. I think now would be the perfect time to put them in. Agreed. Or maybe obviously Steiner brothers are this year, so they yeah. would have to be next year, but I mean, they should have been in 20 years ago. My God, but you, you know what I mean? Like now is now you got to put them in. The lawsuits are over. They can't be litigated again. Yep. Let's bring them in now. And as long as you, like Vince always says, as long as I can make money and do business, you know, I'll bring anybody back, but you're right. Like it's almost like they're blacklisted. Uh, yeah. because of the fact, uh, just getting off topic here for a second though, another team that I don't understand why they're not in is any incarnation of the Midnight Express. I mean, we got the rock and rolls in, but why? How could you not have Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane? I mean, bring them all in like they did, you know, with the Freebirds, or whatever. Like, I blows my mind why the Midnight Express are not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Makes no sense whatsoever. And now Bobby's gone, so yeah. it's like, man, they can't do the whole group. Man, that stinks. Like, uh, who the heck knows? Like the rhyme or reason, it just doesn't make sense. Like now, Vader goes in. Vader <laughs> yeah. should have been in. And he ten years ago, he campaigned to be in. Like yeah. the last year of his last couple of years of his life, like he really yeah. wanted to get in. Yeah, right. I. And then they put in Hanson, and he's Hanson's inductor. But like, why couldn't they go in the same year? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, no. What right. was the point? Like, made no sense. Like, uh, so weird. It is weird. It is weird. Uh, so Demolition defeated the Powers of Pain uh, and Mr. Fuji to retain their tag team titles. Our next match, match number seven, was Dino Bravo defeating Rugged Ronnie Garvin. Uh, again, no buildup for the match, but two big, strong hosses just going at it. Uh, I was a rugged Ronnie Garvin fan. I didn't know much about him back in the day. I didn't see his match with Ric Flair in NWA when he won the title. Uh, but I, I thought he was just a tough guy. You know, not not a great promo, uh, but you know, calling him the hands of stone and just you know, just being a like the crew cut was a cool look. And everybody hated Dino Bravo. So I mean, uh, you know, Garvin uh, was pretty over during that time. What were your thoughts uh, on this match? It only went uh, like three minutes. Yeah, way, way too short. I hate Dino Bravo. I always hate him. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if it's because he was feuding with Hogan and he's team with Earthquake. Right. I don't know what it is. I never was a Dino Bravo fan. Just I a never smug, you know, French Canadian, like just yeah, you know. But I always love Rugged Ronnie. Yeah, I always felt like his WB run was great, even though it's like mid card stuff. Mm-hmm. But like his feud with Valentine is awesome, <sighs> so good. Especially if you watch that '89 MSG match, they literally for like 20 minutes beat the living shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you want to chop me? Okay, I'll chop you even hard. Like, it is. I I love those style of matches where it's, like, snug and stiff. Yep. And like, they're going to beat the shit at each other. And you don't know if, like, it's a shoot or not. Because you're like, man, these guys aren't, like, kidding around. Like, you could tell, like, they are killing each other. Yeah. And they both had bear claws for hands where it's like, holy crap, they're going to do some damage. That's why I was like, wow, Ronnie Garvin lost to Bravo. Like, oh, it stinks. Even though they didn't do anything with Garvin, he didn't get a big push. I always just felt like 
he deserved better in WWE. I lo- I even love when he was the referee. Like they even yes. did something with him, and they were doing that that angle. I love Garvin. I always was a big Garvin fan. That was a great angle of him getting suspended and yeah, coming what back. What a mid card feud! Yeah, yeah, coming awesome. back as a referee just to piss yep. off uh, Valentine, and then uh, being the ring announcer at SummerSlam '89 and introducing uh, yep. uh, uh, Valentine and just kind of tearing him apart, uh, making yeah. fun of him, and then knocking him out at the end. Uh, and, and then the, the figure four blocker was cool. Oh, the hammer like, jammer. Yes. Yeah, the hammer jammer. <laughs> the yes. hammer jammer. He would, yep. you know, turn it upside down, and, and yep. it was almost like you know, the same shin guard that Hammer used. Uh, and then he actually had a new hold. He had, you know, Garvin started using, like, the uh, a scorpion deathlock type version. Yeah. Yep. Uh, kind of sloppy, but still, like, you know, Hammer put on the figure four, and Ronnie's sitting there making faces at him and laughing at him because it doesn't hurt because of the hammer jammer. Like that was, yeah, that was good shit, dude. That stuff, I'll always remember that. Like, I mean, you're right; it was a mid card feud, but it was good, and people were interested. It's so funny. Like, what could you be invested in? Like nowadays, that was as good as that feud, which was just a kind of throwaway mid card feud. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Like yeah. even some of the main event stuff isn't as good as like stuff that they were putting effort into. That like true. That was just great stuff between two guys that could really work that were both like hey we want to work with each other like i want to wrestle him and he oh you want to wrestle me i want to wrestle you like that kind of stuff like <laughs> I, I love that kind of stuff and not getting that nowadays no i agree um we had a couple segments here and it's not listed on the match card but we had uh run dmc doing the wrestlemania rap as a kid i wasn't a, a rap fan i was an 80s you know no. rock kind of kid um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really understand what they're saying either because the acoustics are horrible. Um, and I think it took way too long. So obviously they want mainstream attention. Uh, you know, run DMC were, you know, the hottest act at the time. So I absolutely understand why they did it business wise. What did you think of this thing? Did you just think it was weird out of place? I, I know, like, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you have to do it for celebrities. It's WrestleMania and stuff. But I don't know, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of Run DMC just in general. I'm not yeah. a rap guy or whatever. I'm never into hip hop, stuff like that. Just, I don't know. I guess there's a place for it. Just, I don't know. Not for me. I'm not digging it. Like, when they bring in some celebrities, I'm just like, like Bad Bunny or whoever. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. like, I get it and I understand it. But just, it's just not for me. You just have to realize that. And as a kid, you just, I don't know, you just sit through it because you're yeah, waiting for Hogan to come out. Pretty basically. much. Um, yeah. The other segment was the return of Roddy Piper and Piper's Pit. Uh, I love the fact that they played a song and introduced them, and Brother Love, Bruce Pritchard came out. Like, what a dick face heel move. Like, that was just yeah. so good. And then to interview himself or, you know, pretend to be Roddy Piper and just go back and forth, you're like, this guy's insane. Um, Pritchard did a fantastic job of that. Um, did that piss you off as a kid? Oh God! I'm like I can't wait. Like especially Morton Downey, like putting uh, oh, he's a smoke too. yeah, and and stuff with Piper. Like oh, I couldn't <clears throat> wait for them to get their comeuppance. And then when they do, you know, like yes, I knew what Piper. Is. Like you know, <laughs> then you, you know, you fall in love with Piper all over again. And it wasn't the greatest say. Like after Brother Love was gone, it wasn't the greatest promo between Piper and, and Morton. I don't think Morton got it. You know what I mean? Like Morton was yeah, just trying to put himself yeah. over, yep, uh, and going to business yep. for himself. Um, yep. Now he, he memorable though, but not not great, but memorable. Agreed. Now he ate the fire extinguisher at the end, and yeah. it looked like he started to run after him when Piper left the ring. Did you did you ever notice that? No. Mm-mm. Go back and, and watch it. He started to go after him like in the ring, and people like I don't know if there was his handlers there or you know, rest, you know uh, WWE officials, but they were holding him back. 
uh, as Piper was leaving the ring. Oh, and never tossed, that. He tossed the fire extinguisher and left and jumped out. And you could look just for a, a couple seconds, Morton charging the ropes. Like, he was pissed. Like, I don't know if he was legit pissed or what. But Maybe, maybe Piper went a little too far with the extinguisher. Who maybe. Knows? Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, he sprayed him, and then he kind of fucking sprayed his fucking crotch or whatever, like, when he was on yep. the ground. Like, maybe he took it a little bit too far. Or maybe Morton didn't even know that the spot was going to happen. I don't know. Um, maybe they didn't smarten him up. But, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, go back and, and watch that and, yeah, and, and see if you can see what see the hell's it. going on there. Um, I wonder if maybe Piper went into business for himself for, maybe, for a minute. Maybe he did. But he's Roddy Piper, so he gives a shit, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Regardless, I love it. Uh, the Brain Busters had just arrived uh, the winter before in 88. Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Uh, former NWA tag team champions. Obviously, uh, the original members of the Four Horsemen. Taking on... Strike Force, the returning Strike Force. Rick Martel was out with an injury. Uh, he had a neck injury. I think he's out for about six months, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, actually, no, it wasn't a year. He got hit with, was it the megaphone? No, no, the cane, Fuji's cane uh, at WrestleMania 4, if I'm not mistaken. So, wow, he was out that long. That was a long time. Um, so he came back at WrestleMania 5, uh, teaming with his old tag team partner, Tito Santana. Uh, and obviously, we, I didn't see it coming, but um, Rick Martel turned on Tito, uh, left the ring, uh, and you know Tito put up a valiant fight, but obviously couldn't take on a tag team the likes of the Brainbusters. Uh, what what were your thoughts on Arn and Tully at that time? Love Arn and Tully. Like, man, these guys just so good. And then you can't put them with Heenan. It's like, wow, the Brainbusters, such <laughs> a great team. But it's like a cold match that you're into because all four guys are great, mm-hmm. but then they do the turn and the swerve where Martel turns on Tito. And then it becomes this really memorable thing. So another thing where it's like a cold match, but you're so invested in the guys, the guys are so good. And then they give you a little swerve right then and there. You're like, wow, that's pretty damn memorable because didn't see that coming at all. And that was supposed to be just this cold match <laughs> that, you know, it was just between four great workers. But I, I love Brainbusters, one of my favorite teams. And Martel was pretty over as a babyface. I mean, a lot, you know, he had a great look. He was a great wrestler. Uh, you know, the ladies liked him. He had the sympathetic. Oh, they, hated, they hated him turning on Tito, though. They oh, God, that. yeah, they did. Uh, but he had the sympathetic babyface comeback with a neck injury. So uh, it was the perfect time to turn him heel because, like, you know, nobody expected it. And honestly, he was obviously better as a heel than he was as a babyface. Yeah. I mean, the model was the model, such a good character. And he, he played that for what? Through 93, I believe? 93, 94? 94, he was still 94, there, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he had a great run with that gimmick. I mean, not a lot of guys get that good of a run, you know, not always on top, but still was a great worker and a great hand. Uh, and, you know, just put any babyface you want to give a push against him, and, you know, he gives the rub to him. He's the perfect guy to play that part, and I'm pretty sure if you listen to him, he he loved playing that part. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a, a decent match. It went about nine minutes, um, but we'll always remember the heel turn and not really what happened in the match. Um, so right. I don't know if that's what they wanted to accomplish, but uh, if if so, they, they pulled it off perfectly. Still shocked by that. What, what was Martel doing? <laughs> it wasn't Tito's fault. Come on. Uh, match number nine, Jake Roberts defeated Andre the Giant by disqualification. Uh, Virgil played a part here. Uh, Ted DiBiase's valet or manager or property, whatever you want to call him, um, came in to steal Damien, uh, the snake in the bag, yeah, until Jake ran him down and got him back. Was that weird? Like, this was 
pre-DiBiase putting Jake out with the Million Dollar Dream and injuring him, right? So I don't understand why. And maybe you can refresh my memory. Like, why was Virgil even involved uh, in that match at the time? I guess I always thought about that or, or, or rethinking about that. It's like, was Virgil kind of because of the DiBiase, the Mega Bucks? And oh, the Mega Bucks, Andre, yeah. Was that? Maybe. Like, I guess that's still kind of hanging there loosely, still loosely together. So it kind of made sense. But to me, it's like, okay, they're trying to figure out a way to get DiBiase to start feuding with, with Jake. And, like, you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. kind of leaning towards that. So using Virgil as the bridge to do that. So I kind of see where they were going. But I guess they're loosely tying in the Mega Bucks. And to give, you know, Jake the win and, you know, not a clean win, Andre, you know, still keeps his heat uh, by not getting pinned. I mean, obviously, I never thought Jake was going to win, but. We had Big John Studd as the special guest referee. He had just come back from an injury. He'd run the Royal, the Royal Rumble that January, uh, and this was his last big run. Uh, and they had history, he had history with Andre and Bobby Heenan, obviously, so I understood that part. I thought that was cool. Uh, and Jake obviously had history with Andre from 1988 and Survivor Series when, <laughs> uh, you know, Andre just stepped on his throat. Literally, just like step on the bottom rope over his throat and just beat the piss out of him. And then the whole... Uh, you know, Andre being afraid of snakes, uh, with Jake, you know, putting the snake on him uh, after his match with Rick Rude on Saturday Night's main event. Uh, that whole angle was was fantastic. Were you uh, were you a fan of that whole thing with Andre being afraid of snakes? That was so good because how could you beat this guy? I know Hogan beat him, but like, how could Jake beat this guy? What's like, what's his, his weakness, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, wh- how can you beat Andre? What is like you said? What's his weakness? How do we do it? And that was so cool. It's like, holy shit, he's afraid of snake. This <laughs> big monster, this big giant. Holy shit, he's afraid of snake. That was so cool. And because that's like another like little. You know, like little thing like to throw out there, like of a storyline that that can really make you intrigued yep. and really get your interest, like immediately, like oh man, Andre's going to kill him, but he's afraid of snakes. Like to throw that in, it's like so good. And then Stud, which kind of stinks, was he got injured again yeah. during his come comeback. You would think Stud was going to have this big WrestleMania match because maybe even against a rematch versus Andre, because he won Royal Rumble '89. So yeah. you kind of wonder where he would have. You know, would he, he would have fed or you know been fed into the card yep. had he not had that back injury? So interesting with Stud. Yeah, that is really unfortunate uh, that he didn't get like that good run and that kind of you know just short program with Andre. Obviously, yeah. Andre couldn't do much either at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the whole like having a heart attack and you know because of the snake being put on him, and then Bobby Heenan uh, telling Brother Love like he's not afraid of snakes. Here, just just ask him. You know, like what's here? Here, open his like uh, Brother Love had a bag, and he's like, "Well, just to prove it, just to prove it, you know, let's let's open up this yeah. bag." And Andre's like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Bobby's like, "We don't have to do that. He's not afraid of snakes." Um, and then like Gorilla always giving him shit, like, "Oh, you know, you know, uh, Andre had a heart attack. Like he did not. It never happened." Uh, it just uh, Bobby Heenan was so good, but that was a really cool angle. And you're right, like. This big, huge behemoth legend, Andre the Giant, uh, against Jake, who's super, super over at that time. Um, you know, what is Andre's weakness? And yeah, dude, that was that was played off perfectly. And even at the Royal Rumble that year, like Jake got eliminated, but came down, came back down with Damian and threw it in the ring. And Andre just walked over the top and eliminated himself. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, they did a great job with that whole angle. Um, Such a good out, like for Andre, instead of having to get eliminated or like ten yes. guys thrown out. Of yes. Like, let's do a cool out where it makes Jake empowered and you really get a nice pop from the crowd where he's like, "Screw <laughs> this, I'm out of here. I'm afraid of snakes." Yeah, 
So, I mean, after this, we did move on to, you know, Jake and Ted DiBiase. Uh, so there really wasn't a big payoff. I guess this was the blow-off match because they, they completely dropped the angle. Um, but, uh, yeah, disqualification because of outside interference, I guess, was the only logical way they can get through that. Um, number 10, Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart. Taking on Greg Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. Now, these two teams had some history when uh, Bret Hart got knocked out with Jimmy Hart's megaphone, uh, which I'll never forget. Like, that was a big deal. Like, Bret just getting knocked out cold on a, I think it was like Superstars Wrestling, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, uh, both great tag teams. Uh, we talked about how great... Um, Greg Valentine was, and, uh, you know, the honky-tonk was a perfect heel. Nobody liked honky-tonk because he was just so cocky uh, and, uh, you know, had the uh, guitar and knocking everybody out and just a perfect heel and really just two great tag teams. Like, nobody ever thought honky-tonk and Greg would be a great tag team, but, you know, they turned into Rhythm and Blues uh, a year later, you know, a year later, and uh, yeah. which was so funny to see Greg Valentine with the Elvis look and black yeah, hair. Yeah, so out of place. But it so worked. out of place. Yeah. But it worked yeah. because they're just two yeah. assholes, right? But uh, this match went nine and a half. No, sorry. This match was seven uh, minutes, 40 seconds. But uh, nothing memorable, but still like just a solid tag team match. Yeah, if you go back and watch it, you're like, damn, this was a good match. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody ever talks about it. Like, it almost yeah. gets lost. Yeah. Shuffle, lost in the car, but it's a damn good match. I mean, they put it between Jake Roberts and, and Rick Rude and the Warriors. So, I mean, it is kind of hard to, to overlook it. I mean, it was just obviously yeah. a good match for pacing. Filler, almost. For yeah, filler, yeah. Filler, yeah. Um, yep. So, match 11 was Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan taking on the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Championship. Obviously, we know Ultimate Warrior was, was really gaining steam at that time. Had won the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam 88 from the Honky Tonk Man in like 40 seconds or whatever it was. Uh, and... Honky Tonk Man was the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion at that time, so yeah, uh, yep. that was a big shock. You know when they announced the mystery opponent to be Ultimate Warrior, and the place just went absolutely uh, ballistic. I enjoyed the program between uh, Rude and Warrior. Obviously, they kind of set it up at, at Royal Rumble '89 when they had the super pose down, which was really awkward when you go back and watch it. Just really strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Bobby Heenan spraying the. The lotion in Rude or in Warrior's face, and Rude hitting him with the workout bar that he had, and, and leaving him laying. Great way to set off this feud. I know you're a Hogan fan, and I know we know how you feel about WrestleMania Six. But pre WrestleMania Six, did you enjoy the Warrior? Oh yeah, big time. Definitely was a fan of him pre Hogan, of course. But this feud was interesting because it's like you know Heenan's going to get involved. Like, can Rude really beat him? Ah, probably not straight up. But then once you added Heenan, you're like, shit, like this kind of under, basically undefeated warrior, this guy that's like unbeatable. But then you throw Heenan in there. You were almost like, man, I don't know if warrior could beat him because you don't know, you got Heenan holding his foot, being sneaky. I remember just thinking as a kid, I was like, man, like how can warrior get the title back if Heenan's just going to keep cheating? You yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, which, we was, the- which was such a good yeah. job by Heenan holding the foot down. And obviously the finish is very memorable, but warrior ends up obviously beating him and getting the title back. But you're thinking to yourself like, wow, that's a pretty damn good du- uh, duo of Heenan and Rue together. It really was. And we saw Heenan get press slammed after that and took a horrible yep. bump, just bounced off its yeah. warrior's shoulder. He hated warrior oh, for God, it. Yeah. hated yep. it. Um, but obviously, you know, Rick Rude uh, gave Warrior his best match to that point. I mean, this match went yeah. nine and a half minutes, and for the Warrior, that's a fucking Iron Man match. 
because uh, he's blown up, you know, obviously <laughs> by the time he hits the ring. Yeah, definitely uh, his best match to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And, and Rick, again, like they knew who to put with the Warrior, like whether it was him or Savage at WrestleMania 7. Um, they knew, and Hogan, even Hogan at WrestleMania 6, like it was a fantastic match. Like they put the right players with him to get him over. And uh, Rick Rude obviously carried him through the match. And Rude was such a great worker and such a great heel. Uh, and had a fantastic look, and it was a great promo. I mean, like, literally, he was the total package. I mean, you can call Luger the total package or whatever, but, like, legit body, look, uh, ability. Rick Rude had it all. I mean, he really yeah, was. Promo. Uh, yeah, and promo, yeah. The guys were jealous of him, and the ladies loved him. So uh, he, he really had it all, and he was the perfect guy to put the belt on and have Warrior Chase. Obviously, Roddy Piper was the equalizer uh, at SummerSlam that year to cost uh, rude the title, and then they moved on to a program with there, which is funny because they never paid that off. Uh, never did on pay per view at least. Uh, they did not pay off Rick Rude and Roddy Piper, and Roddy ran through the entire you know Heenan family through superstars and and main and super Saturday Night's main events. Uh, but for whatever reason, they never actually they had the encounter uh, the the encounter on primetime where you know. Uh, I think didn't Piper get suspended for that and got moved into Studio B when uh, the the Bobby Heenan show was over. So uh, other than that, never had a real big blow-off match, right? I was trying to think if they blew it off at MSG or something. Like, Maybe. They really did. I mean, because they were, you know, they had the Survivor Series teams against each other, but yep. they didn't really blow it off like you would think they would have, given that that feud was off of this big Warrior Rude feud. You, it was weird. Yeah, it's very strange. I yeah. wonder if maybe uh, uh, Rude wouldn't job. I don't know. Very maybe. Weird. Well, I mean, we know Piper never liked to get you know do the job. Right. And wouldn't, I mean, right. I've said this a couple times this week. You know, we had a lot of talk about Roddy Piper during WrestleMania week, but he may be the only superstar that's had the least amount of pinfalls against him, like in the history of the business, because he never, hardly ever got pinned uh, until later on in his War- career. Warrior too. <laughs> yeah. Hard right. Good point. Yeah. Really good point. Uh, I think Hogan took more pinfalls than, than those two yeah. guys. Yeah, um, for sure. But uh, let, uh, obviously we talked about the Warrior losing that, that match. The next match, Bad News Brown taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan and another Schmaz. Uh, a double disqualification went almost four minutes. Nothing memorable about this at all. It's very weird like that it would be a, just a double DQ here, especially with these two guys. Like, where are you going with them? Like, yeah. You're not doing anything. And I love Bad News Brown. I love the gimmick. I love yes. everything about him. The Ghetto Blaster was uh, like, awesome. Like that was my favorite uh, finisher at that time. He was such a good promo. I loved how he, he would always walk out on his Survivor Series team. Like, <laughs> yeah. He literally, yeah. he was the original Austin DTA. Don't trust anybody. Like yep. you know, wearing the black, not giving a shit. Like oh, he great was program awesome. with Hogan and, and Savage as well. Like, yes, yes. Oh, so good. Calling Jack Tunney, uh, you know, picking on Jack Tunney, the president, and saying Elizabeth is doing favors for Jack Tunney. Like. Yep. And yeah. then he beat up Tony. Remember, he beat him yes. up on the brother love. Yep. Like, holy crap! Like, damn! Like he, like he was getting a nice push. He couldn't beat Duggan at WrestleMania. Just yeah. give him the I mean, win, right? It makes no sense, right? And I know they love Hacksaw, and they kind of want to keep him strong. And we know Hacksaw yeah. defeated Haku later on to become the king that summer. So I guess they just want to keep both of the guys strong without taking a, a pinfall or a submission. But why have the match then? You know what I mean? Like why? Yeah. Why? If why showcase protecting for no reason? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, second to last match, the Red Rooster defeated Bobby Heenan in 31 seconds. Why? Like, 
I don't know why. Even to this day, like 30-something years later, um, it should have been a broken brawler in that spot. It shouldn't have been Bobby. Yeah. And, like, he could yeah. beat Heenan up after the match. Yep. Uh, and I, I guess I know why they did it, because people hated Bobby Heenan. They always, you know, they wanted to see him get his ass kicked. Uh, and I thought it was a great program with, with, with Terry Taylor and, and the brawler. And, you know, setting yeah, up from like Heenan, yep. you know, calling Taylor, uh, you know, a piece of crap. He's a jabroni. He's mediocre. Give him that crap during the match with Tito with Saturday Night's main event. George Steinbrenner, the ringside. Bobby's talking back and forth. They had him mic'd up. Uh, he kept yelling through the entire match, and, and Rooster couldn't take it anymore uh, and ended up leaving uh, Bobby Heenan's camp. Steve Lombardi, uh, a career jobber, ends up getting uh, a good push during this in the character, uh, which was great for him. Uh, were you into this feud at all? Not really as much, but it, I remember thinking like, "Wow, that like that was like legit." When Brawler beat him up backstage, like On prime time, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like holy shit, that was like that looked like vicious, like damn, like that was legit, like wow, Heenan really hates this guy, and Brawler <laughs> is being paid to kill this guy, like yep. man. But it was one of those things where it's like it's so low on the card. It's not like um, Valentine and and Garvin were like it's mid card. You're into it, right? It just felt like very like low the like low card like. Brawler wasn't high up on the Heenan family totem pole, like Red Rooster. I, I, just such a bad gimmick. Yes. I just never, never was into it. And I was like, okay, so he beat him in thirty seconds. Looking back, it's probably <laughs> time constraints. They want to make sure Hogan and Savage have enough time. But Bobby bumped his ass off. I mean, we know how great oh, of yeah, a worker of Bobby was. I mean, he flew all over the turnbuckles, did the Ric Flair bumps and all that. So um, Bobby, you know, did his part well. Um, and Brawler never really got any steam. At, at all, which yeah. is so weird to be aligned with Bobby Heenan, and he he won a bunch of jobber matches, and you know, but he never really won any any big no. time matches or any nope. never had a big major program after that. So, kind of a weird pick to put Steve Lombardi in that spot, but uh, I mean, he did the best that he could with it. I thought he did a better job with the brawler than Terry did with the rooster. Uh, had Terry maybe put his all into it, um, maybe we would have liked it, but since he hated it. You know, why should we like it, you know? Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, I, it's, you know, 30 seconds to kind of get the crowd a break before the main event. I mean, I, I get it. Uh, and, obviously, the main event was a fantastic match with Hulk Hogan uh, against Randy Savage. Miss Elizabeth is in the neutral corner. Um, the, obviously, the build-up to this was fantastic. Uh, even the face-to-face event on primetime, they had, like, a three-hour show. Uh, they asked Elizabeth whose corner she was going to be in. She said... You know, she's going to be in a neutral corner. Um, uh, Macho and Hogan with the whole, you know, doctored footage, you know, with Macho Man kind of uh, doctoring, you know, the interviews and promos and, and stuff to make Hogan look like he's he he's the one with the problem. He's the asshole. He's trying to get my woman. Uh, and then Hogan playing the actual clips. Um, but still, if you go back and look at it, like, was Hogan kind of creeping in on his girl? Yeah, yeah. maybe Hogan was the heel. Dude. Maybe yeah. he was. I mean, huh. I don't know. But this was a great match. It went 17 minutes, 54 seconds. Uh, Hogan ended up uh, doing a very mild blade job. Right. Um, kicked out of the big elbow, which at that point nobody had ever done. So they protected Macho Man and that move so well just for Hogan to kick out of it like he did every other finisher. Um, to this point, I think Hulk Hogan's best match. And you got to give Randy Savage credit because I think Randy gave Warrior his best match ever in that retirement match. Um, so, what were your thoughts on the main event? Was it worth the whole buildup? Oh yeah, and obviously your guy won. So, I mean, you were happy yeah. there. 
Yes. <laughs> Perfect culmination to the feud. Way to get Hogan the belt back. Awesome feud with Savage. I know it would obviously continue too. Yeah. But just awesome feud. Great kind of high point for it. Obviously, the buy rate was everybody was interested in Mega Powers exploding. Savage is the perfect guy to get a great match at Hogan. It's so funny uh, when you look at the Melter Star rating for it. It's like, holy shit. Did he even watch that match? Which, <laughs> he hated Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. He just hated the Hulkster. Holy crap. Yeah. I was actually talking to somebody the other day and we were saying like about re rating some of the matches. And we both said this at least four stars, at least. Like yeah. that, that's, that's where you start. Right. Just because the crowd is into it, the emotion, the Elizabeth stuff, yep. uh, Hogan. I know it's a mild blade jump, but the, the bleeding, like everything was, was so great emotionally to get you invested in the match. And then Hogan gets the win culminate the feud great match so at least four stars you want to say i would probably even give it a little bit higher but love love this match just great stuff and it's one of those things where people say oh it's a one match card well if it was a one match card which kind of not but if, if it was <laughs> then it would be built just on this match and it was worth it and it was great i mean they're the ones that sold the tickets right i mean you know right. we'd love yeah. everybody else we'd love all the other players that are involved everybody has their own role and they know their own place yeah. um but yeah i mean this is why people were there uh, and it, it carried on from the year before in the same building, uh, yep. you know, with Savage winning the tournament and Hogan helping him out. Genius. Yep. Like, yep. I, honestly, I cannot think of a better feud in the history of the business with that much attention to detail with every single minute little thing that Hogan and Savage did through the whole thing. Perfect. It was a perfect angle. And like, watch WrestleMania 4. Savage is like a little bit tingy. Like, yep. What do you, what, I mean, honestly, Elizabeth really, she's the one to blame, right? Like, she's yeah. the one that went and got Hulk yeah. a couple of times during this feud. Yep. And then, like, SummerSlam that year, it's, like, a little bit further with Savage, just like this. Yep. Then, you know, then he rolls the Survivor Hug at Survivor like, Series? Yeah, and yeah, then it's even more. Then the Royal Rumble, Savage is flat-out pissed. Yep. Like, he's just flat-out ready to get in Hogan's face. And then, obviously, that night's main event, where it expl- really, really exploded. Yeah. And then he, you know, he beats the shit out of Beefcake, too, which is great because then you tie Beefcake <sighs> back yes. into the feud, and he gets entered into the feud. Yep. It's like, everything, and then, obviously, DiBiase's involved. Like, everything was spoke so, so well. Just really, really smart job. Great job. And they made Savage into a huge star who was champion for a year yeah. during the Hogan era was champion for a year and the business stayed where it was when Hogan was on top. That's why I always put Savage above Warrior because when Warrior's champion, the business was dipping. Right. How come when Savage is champ after Hogan maintain the same level of popularity? So that's why I always say Savage is hell of a draw if you're friggin' yep. doing the same amount of business as Hogan was doing. And then when Hogan feuds with you, you do the biggest business you've ever done. Yeah, you're pretty much a, a made man. That's I couldn't have said that better myself. You know, I really want to know Meltzer's criteria for rating these matches. Um, Weird. I guess it's just you hate Hogan. You just got to knock him off. I mean, he gives, even, even though the crowd's nuts, and I thought the crowd played <laughs> yes. a role in that. But yeah. But I mean, even given the, the Hogan Andre match from WrestleMania three, half a star. Uh, sure, it wasn't the greatest technical match, but they the fucking put ninety thousand people. Well, depending who you ask. 60 to 90,000 people in that building, but still, that's a lot of people. And that was the biggest match of all time at that point uh, with a fantastic buildup. And think about this. the match is so important to the business and literally like set the business off. And yep. like that was the, the high point of the business. It is still played every WWE show at the beginning of the show, Hulk slamming Andre. That's it's right. the biggest moment in the history of the business. That's right. Like, hello, you got to give it. 
I don't know. You probably have to give it at least three stars just for the fact of historical value of it. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Meltzer's a weird dude. I mean, people say he might be on the spectrum, and you know, maybe maybe he is. Maybe he just hates Hogan. I mean, you know, but hates Hogan, Hogan for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so all in all, I mean, going down, breaking this event down, fuck, I think it's even better than you know what I, what I thought it was. When you really go into detail of, of each wrestler in each match, um, it holds up to to this day, especially with that main event. Uh, and we know if the bit. Sorry, go ahead. Like, oh, since if you go back and like, let's say each WrestleMania season, you go back and watch WrestleMania. I like to do four and five. Like yep. th- those are like you start with that, then you go to six and three, and kind of like work your way around. But it's never anything current, and it's always for some reason four or five. Like I always kind of start there. <laughs> I always like going back because it's still good to me. Yeah, it still holds weight. It's still great. I mean, we're we're a similar age. Uh, you know that for me, like eighty eight, eighty nine, when I was twelve and thirteen, like that was my wheelhouse. And usually, people of that generation or, or people of any generation, they kind of tend to really, I guess cherish things like that you know when they're 12 and 13 and 14 like i know a lot of people are big fans of 92 because that's when they were the same age and you know rick flair was there and that royal rumble was fantastic that year um it, wrestlemania was great that year too i, I loved wrestlemania 8 mm-hmm. uh my go-to's usually are five six seven was okay uh and eight i wasn't a big fan of nine or ten um one and two were eh, for me like i was real young when that happened like nine years old so I'm not a big fan of WrestleMania 1. Um, but since this, I, like I said, beginning of the show, this was the first live WrestleMania I ever saw on pay-per-view. That holds a special place uh, in my heart. But 89 as a whole, even though it might not have been the great wrestling year, uh, was my favorite uh, overall. And we know the business that Hogan did later on with Beefcake and Savage and Zeus with No Holds Barred, which I loved. I still love. I don't care how cheesy it is. Uh, it's crazy. still one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it a 100 times at least. I saw it in the theaters three times that summer. Uh, then they had you know the Survivor Series build up, which was weird because they threw DiBiase back in the program there, which didn't with Zeus. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, but then they go to the match, the movie that December. Uh, why have a Merry Christmas when you could have a No Holds Bar Christmas? Yeah. I mean, such a great program. The were you a fan of Zeus? Here, yeah. Yes. Were you afraid scared of, him? of him? Yeah, I was going to say, were you afraid of him? Yeah, yeah I was too. As a kid, definitely scared mm-hmm. of him. Because he just looked like like he would literally tear Hogan limb from limb. I know they were probably around the same height or whatever. and Pretty much, But yeah. just, his, just his build and, like, man, there was, like, no body fat. Like, he's just like, holy None. crap, this guy. And the weird eye, fat. like the messed up eye yeah, and the big Z. Yeah, was, it's like, his head. Yeah. like how, how could you hurt him almost? Right. Like that, you got that kind of vibe for Well, me. he didn't sell. You know? Yeah, and he did that thing where he pounds his own chest. Yep. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, this guy is scary as shit. And then he pretended, yeah. like, break people's necks by, like, wrenching yeah. their head. Like, that was that was cutting edge shit back then. Like, you didn't, nobody did shit like that. Um, but it's funny. Like, people will be like, oh, it's work rape up. Who cares? Who cares? He had such a good look. And he was, I don't know, he was so uh, scary. Yeah. Yeah. Just to me, awesome. I, I lo- love Zeus. Um, and No Holds Bar is great. Oh, love that movie. And. Obviously, you know, we know why Beefcake was there, which, you know, it, it's fine. Uh, and throw Sherry in the mix. We didn't even mention this. Like, literally, like, right after WrestleMania five, uh, Sherry aligns herself with Savage, and they're off to the races. And you want to talk about a fantastic manager, yeah. Sherry Martell. She played that part perfectly, and especially when he was Macho King and she was the queen. Dude, those two were money together. A match made in hell, really. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it. Um, but... 
they got over. People hated Sherry. Hogan hated Sherry. I mean, Hogan, Christ, Hogan even accosted her and, and gave her an atomic drop. You can't do that shit nowadays. But back then, we're like, yeah. fuck yeah, beat shit on Sherry. She'd uh, take bumps like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That summer was great. Like, that summer through the winter it was just a really good program that not a lot of people really talk about and, like, look back on it finally, maybe because of Zeus. Um, but, you know, Macho Man obviously worked him through that SummerSlam match. I mean, you could hear Macho Man audibly, like, calling spots and kind of directing traffic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how green, uh, you know, Tiny Lister was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, dude. A genius to play the match in the movie. Back to back, like that never happened, and obviously it never will happen again. Um, and it's not on the network, which sucks, probably because of the movie rights. Um, but yeah. I don't ever yeah. remember seeing that match, just the match itself, on any videotape or any you know network you know uh, event at all, which is weird because the match was pretty good, the cage match. I I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. It's kind of weird though, you know, some stuff that's out there and some stuff that's not. It's kind of strange. <laughs> it is. Especially because it was on pay-per-view. It's right. very weird. Right. It is very weird. But uh, in any event, all in all, uh, WrestleMania five still holds up for me to this day. And uh, thank you for coming on the show, Pons. As always, it's always great talking to you. Uh, obviously, we're in the same generation. We have the same loves you know, for the business. So uh, we always have great conversations. Uh, where can people find you on social media? And let everybody know about all your 75 podcasts. Nice. Yes. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com. Catch shows with Kevin Sullivan, Dr. Tom, Dutch Mantel, PJ, Just Incredible. Um, got my own show, the interview series show. Do a few interviews a week. So just everything to follow is at Two Man Power Trip on Twitter and Instagram. That's probably the best way to catch up on everything. I always post um, all the stuff from all the shows on there. And the Hogan era. I mean, who doesn't love that Ooh, show? Ooh, I love that. Yes, yes, love doing that show. It's so much fun doing that because I can go back and look at some of the research and be like, okay, Hulk Hogan, is he the biggest star ever? And it's like, he sold out a random house show with Hercules. It's like, okay, yeah, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, And then it's like, random house show against Butch Reed he sold out. Yeah. So it's like, wow, holy crap. Like, he just, just had all these great feuds, and it was such a great time that, like, you put all your – you know, eggs in that Hogan basket, and he delivered. What a golden goose. My God. Great feuds with Harley Race that nobody talks about that yep. sells out house shows. They're doing house show feuds in Philly and then coming back and doing it again. And I like, I love stuff like that. And it's yeah. like, wow, he had a feud with Terry Funk. That was awesome. Dr. D. David Schultz. All these guys, I know the obvious ones are Andre and yeah. Piper and Savage and Orndorff and guys like that. But like the other guys that he's selling out all these house shows with and like, he could have had this big, huge few big John Stud. Well, he kind of did for two years on all these on all these house <laughs> yeah. shows. Him and Killer Khan had this big house show feud, which was really how they made a ton of their money back then was getting people yep. into the house shows. That's right. Well, now it's TV rights; they don't care about house shows. But then it was it was that, and it's just so cool looking at. It. It's like holy crap! Like he had like a little mini feud with Dino Bravo that drew money. <laughs> like, like what a god that yeah. he'd be able to draw money with. Anybody, Anybody. That, that's out there. It's pretty damn cool. Though. I love doing the Hogan era. And the boys loved being on his card. Like, you know, they, we know they ran A-Towns, B-Towns, C-Towns uh, seven days a week, you know, twice on Sunday and Saturdays most times. You know, Hogan's in the, you know, before the, uh, when they used to have uh, intermission uh, between, you know, yep. the first half and the second half of the show. Hogan would be in there before the intermission, get his win, leave, go to another town, wrestle that night. Uh, just amazing, like the amount of time and, and matches. Like 
people don't give him credit. Like, sure, he only defended every three months or four months, you know, during the pay-per-views, but that's back when yeah. they didn't have one every month. But he's making every single town, putting in the miles, putting in the work, yep. uh, all those leg drops. Obviously, we know what happened to him because of yeah. all that, but... Yep. You know, people don't give him enough credit for his work rate during that time. Uh, like you said, he's making what, what a shame too. Like yeah. watch some of those matches. It's like, okay, some critics or whoever don't, doesn't like him. Watch them back for yourself and be like, holy shit. Like him and bad news Brown have have an awesome <laughs> match. Yeah. Like you never heard about them because they weren't being covered or wasn't right. going to be talking about positively, but they were great. I know I'm a huge Hogan Mark and I love the Hulk, but <laughs> So many good matches. Even even a buddy of mine was saying, like, oh, have you ever seen this match? Just some random Hogan match that was held on like on the Prism Network in Philly or something. Like, Holy shit, that's freaking great. It's on YouTube or something. Yeah. It's like, man, that's great. And like him and Cowboy Bob are having a great match. So man, he's he's just one of those guys where it's like he was such a golden goose and he was so good that people just were like, Nah, he probably wasn't that good of a worker, but he really was. I mean, if you look at his matches in Japan with Keiji Muda and, and some other guys, like he oh, could yeah. chain wrestle, he could reverse, he could submission. Yep. I mean, oh, he, yeah. he could do it all, but he didn't have to do it all in the States because yep. he was so over. It was a different style. We loved the larger-than-life characters. It was a babyface territory. Um, he didn't have to have a five-star match. Uh, he could have. I mean, trained by Hiro Matsuda. I mean, obviously, he knew how to wrestle, uh, but didn't have to. Just needed to go out there. You know, sell like crazy for the match, Hulk up, hit, you know, block the punches, hit the big boot, hit the leg, boom, everybody gets paid. We go home happy. I mean, that's all he had to do. They were printing money during that whole time. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Hey, just listen to the crowd. That's all you need yeah. to do. This guy, he didn't need to do a Canadian destroyer. Puff his cheeks out and look at the crowd. Like, yeah. He could just do the point. Yeah. And it would get a huge pop. Yep. So, yeah, he didn't need to do all that other stuff. Yeah, let everybody else in the card, you know, have the work rate and, and take all the bumps. I mean, fuck, you know, Hogan, and they knew it, too. Like, he was making the most money. It's like I said, they wanted to be on his yep. card. Like, you knew you were on the Hogan card. You guys were going to get paid very well that night. Uh, so people, you know, the guys were always clamoring to be on those cards. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you got to give Hogan his due. Like, I was a fan uh, probably up until ninety. Like, he kind of got sour for me around 91, 92. Then, obviously, he, he uh, left for a while in 92 and came back in 93. Um, but you got to give him his due. He sold tickets everywhere, everywhere. And you're right, like, the Prison Network in Philly, MSG Network in New York, Nesson uh, in Boston. Yeah. Like, he hit the major towns in every Sometimes single town. the channel in L.A., yep. yeah. And he hit literally every town that they went in the country. Like, and if you knew if Hulk Hogan was on the card you're going to sell tickets, and that's just a lost art. I mean, yep. you know, now house shows are probably losing losing money, but, um, you know, we'll never see a guy like that again. Like, give, look, give Austin his due. Uh, he hit at the right time, just like Hogan did, um, but had half the run. Like, I mean, yeah. look at how popular Steve was. I'm never taking away anything from him. Like, he may have sold the most merchandise or whatever. It's, it's debatable who is the bigger draw, but without Hogan, you wouldn't have that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could talk about that all night in any event. Um, guys, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RadRobGaming. I'm a Twitch gaming streamer, twitch.tv slash RadRobGaming, streaming every Tuesday night and Saturday at 6 p.m. Central. Uh, and we got uh, this weekend, WrestleMania. Night one and two will be covered by Brad, Shepard, and I doing the post-game wrap-up shows, giving our thoughts and opinions on both nights of WrestleMania. Is there anything that you're looking forward to, Paz, uh, this weekend? 
really Edge versus AJ because I think it'll be a good match, and Reigns versus Lesnar because I know it's going to be a good match. I love Reigns. Yeah. I feel like he's like everyone always says, "Oh, John Cena." I don't know. I th- feel like he's going to eclipse him mm-hmm. sooner than people realize he's going to eclipse him. He just has it. Cena to me always came off a little bit boring, a little bit dry, a little bit fake. Something about Reigns. It's like this guy's a friggin' movie star. Like I love Reigns. Obviously. He's just like his cousin, The yeah, Rock, yeah. but 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 in the same vein, he's so much different than him. He's a little bit more cockier. He's got a little bit. He's got a different vibe to him. It's like this guy knows he's great. To me, Reigns. I'm so interested in him. I love Lesnar too. Lesnar, I think, already eclipsed Cena. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. It was always a bigger draw than him anyway. Agreed. But but I think just putting this together, Reigns Lesnar. I'm I'm interested in it, and hopefully. Austin, I'm interested in him and his pop, and just no interest in Kevin Owens. If it was somebody else, I'd, <laughs> if it was somebody else, I'd be like, if it was Sami Zayn, I'd be into it. I'd be, right. you know, or Seth, if it was Seth Rollins, I'd be super into it, but not not Owens. I could care less of, of, of Owens. But I'm when I'm interested in Austin, I'm interested in the pop, and I'm guessing it's going to be short and sweet, but we'll see. You know how long it goes. You think Cody's going to show up? Ooh, I do think he's going to be the the mystery partner, but I do think we're going to get a swerve with Shane McMahon first, or somebody <laughs> of that ilk. We're going to get a swerve, and then probably Cody. Does Vince get in the ring? I'm hearing yes. I keep hearing that. I don't think he's going to wrestle, but I do think he's going to get involved in the Pat McAfee Austin Theory match. Maybe teach Theory a lesson, or maybe teach Pat McAfee a lesson and show Theory how it's done. <laughs> right, something like that. But I think he's going to get involved. That was my thoughts. Uh, I thought maybe Theory will lose in, in like two or three minutes, and Vince will be so irate uh, that he goes yeah. in the ring and says, "I'll show you how to do it, pal," and then you know yeah. gets his ass kicked. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be a full fledged match because obviously Vince is. You know, seventy six years old or whatever, and you don't want to see him take any bumps at his advanced age. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be good. Any of the other like celebrity involvements? Like I think Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn have done fantastic with their stuff. I couldn't care less about Logan Paul and the Mysterios, but for me, I'm looking forward to see uh, how Johnny Knoxville, you know, fares against Sami Zayn. I mean, Johnny's a pro. He's been around the entertainment business for 20 some years now he's been in movies he's an actor like he gets it right like he knows he, he's smart to it he knows what's going on uh are you looking forward to either of the matches or any not at all i really i do somewhat like some of the celebrity involvement just because it breaks it up and it's not like so serious like yeah. now okay now we can relax and just be entertained like we're not expecting it. like sometimes when there's like a big match you're like almost like, oh, this better be good or this should be good. Like your expectation. Celebrity stuff is like, yeah, hey, let's just enjoy it. Like, let's just be entertained. Like the Sami Zayn Knoxville side, I just think it's funny. Yeah. Like he gets thrown out of a red carpet thing. Like, and, it's been, and he gave out his phone number. Yeah, it's been phone entertaining number. and it's yeah. been funny. And the Logan Paul stuff, I just like Logan Paul because he's such a great heel. Like, he's yes. such an asshole. Yes. He's going to get booed out of the building. So he will. Moderate. Yeah. Not really interested, <laughs> but moderately uh, excited for some of that stuff. Either the women's title matches, Becky and and uh, and Bianca, or, or uh, Charlotte and Ronda. Any, any no, interest? Neither one. Yeah. Nope, no interest. I like Bianca. I think she's a star, and I, I like what she's doing. I just think that Rousey is a heel. So stupid that she's a face. Literally makes no sense. Nobody wants to cheer her. She's just naturally a heel. And Becky Lynch is a face. I think she should be a baby face. Her doing this kind of um, heel shtick, it just comes off. I don't know, forced fake, forced. I don't yeah. know, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not buying it. I agree. Um, I'm looking forward to see what happens with Bobby Lashley. Uh, yeah, now that he's a baby face again. So, 
Um, funny that I've been, you know, kind of changing him back and forth. You know, he gets a title for a minute. Uh, never really had that much momentum. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him and if he has any kind of a run. Um, sucks that Big E got hurt and he can't be part of, uh, of, of the event. Horrible yeah. timing. Sucks, really sucks for him. Because uh, I, I believe they're going to have the six man tag. At, you know, now they have yeah, to change I guess it. Butch was going to be thrown in. Yeah, I guess they're going to do a six man. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, what happened to Big E? And uh, thank God he it wasn't worse. He could have been paralyzed or dead. So yeah, uh, yep. thankfully he'll come out of it. But look, it's WrestleMania pause. Uh, it doesn't matter who's on the card. You're going to watch it anyway because that's what we do, right? We love yep. we love WrestleMania. It's it's something. Yep. There's always going to be at least some one thing or two things that you like, even if the rest of the card kind of sucks. And you know, we talked off air about not being fans of the two night thing, but uh, yep. I guess it's better than having one nine hour event. So you know, with the pre show yeah, and all that, like people are in the crowd you, forever. That you may fall asleep before the main <laughs> event, which is insane. Yeah. Like, who, who does? How that? the hell does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, who does that? Um, yeah. Any event. Uh, again, John, thank you for being here. Uh, guys, we'll be back this weekend, tomorrow, day one, WrestleMania 38, with the post-game wrap-up show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching here on YouTube, and we'll see you this weekend. Thank you for listening to this episode of RTW Rewind. For all the latest news and announcements, please follow us on Twitter at RTW Brand. You can also follow Rad Rob at Rad Rob Gaming. You've been listening to RTW Rewind exclusively here on the Rad Rob Radio Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.